This podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm Peggy, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Peggy. And so um, I'm going to qualify first, because I always forget to. So I came into the rooms um, December 7, 2007, um, and I... Probably at that time had about 20, 25 pounds, maybe more on my body, and um, couldn't stop eating. And my current abstinence um, is no binging, no weighing myself, and I don't eat after dinner. And um, so my last binge was August 28, 2009. So, um, I'm really amazed at that because I've been eating pretty much out of the chute, you know, and that's pretty amazing to me. I'm 47 years old, and um, that's a miracle. So, um, so pictures, yay! <laughs> um, which is going to go really well on the podcast. So, um, there's one picture that shows sort of how big I can get in my disease. And there's another picture of me right before I came in the room, so I got a big smile on my face, kind of like this, you know. And, um, and my BFF is riding around on my back, and we're horsing around, but I have to tell you, and, you know, we share in a general way, but um, at that time, I had diarrhea for about six months because I couldn't stop eating, but as you can see from the picture, I'm not that heavy, um, I, I was trying to manipulate the system, I guess, by tricks I picked up along the way about maximizing volume and minimizing caloric impact, which I'm not going to share with you. But um, I went to doctors, and I couldn't... There was no... They couldn't figure it out. Lots of tests. So I like to show different pictures. Those are the two I'm showing today. Because just because I came in the room looking kind of normal size, I was definitely on my way back up. Um, and uh, I was exercising, oh, three to five hours a day like crazy to stave it off. So there you have it. So, yeah, to qualify, I also identify um, as a restrictor, although that hasn't been, I've been relieved, it's been a while. Um, and uh, compulsive. I'm in recovery for compulsive overexercising as well. So what it was like, um, real briefly, I mean, I can't remember a time when food wasn't a solution. That's air quotes in for the podcast. And um, that, I, that <laughs> it was, um, you know, it was fantasy, uh, I loved to escape as a kid. And, you know, I had a lot of happy moments as a kid. There, There's really some good stuff from my childhood, but I just have a disease. And reality scares me, and feelings, intense feelings scare me. And I, just like a lot of us addicts, I'm highly sensitive to st- outside stimulus, and I like to sedate with food um, and fantasy and um, food, <laughs> TV and food. Um, and then, but it was never binging. It was just eating um, secretly sometimes until my first diet, which was about age 13. 
And um, I just, you know, I fantasized about, you know, I love, sh- I, yeah. I had this whole thing. I found a diet in, in Reader's Digest, and I was 13, and I just, of course, dropped, like, was, won't tell you how many calories, but dropped 10 pounds in a week, you know. And, and, um, and I fantasized about going on the Merv Griffin show and talking about how, you know, I kept myself looking so good, you know. Um, so that's my age and what I did in the afternoon. So after school, I ate and watched Merv Griffin and other things. So um, I would, not dealing with junior high, would pretend to be sick a lot. I missed a lot of school. And we would, with a tummy ache, but then we'd go home and hide cookies under the afghan and watch TV, you know. Um, Grew up on a farm, pretty active, didn't show up on my body as much till I got out of school. So just like the diet started and I gradually, it was just yo-yo, more weight, lost, more weight gained, lost, more gained, lost, more gained, until somewhere in my late 20s I just decided done with the diet, which I think for some people might have been just they would have gotten off the roller coaster but I'm a compulsive eater so you can see from the picture I got up to I stopped weighing 210 I don't know that's what I stopped weighing at. so um, so I kind of already told you what happened in the uh, you know seeing doctors really sick um, not digesting my food not intentionally and um and finally, you know, I'd heard about OA, and I had friends in other programs. The solution really seemed to be working for them. I knew some hardcore um, substance abuse addicts, and they were really happy, joyous, and free. I wanted what they had, um, and I really, really wanted to stop eating. I might cry. Oh, my God. So I couldn't stop. You know, it's in my mouth. I don't even like it, and I couldn't stop eating. I've seen people nod. So um, the God thing kind of put me off. And um, I finally just thought, okay, I'm just going in, you know. And I heard stuff right away. I, people were talking about things that I had done. Um, I don't clearly remember my first meeting. I remember seeing people I knew from the outside going, oh, 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 <laughs> who knew, you know, wow. Um, and um, so I was done pretty much when I came in the room with recreational sugar, put that down. So I'm going to talk a little bit about abstinence now. Um, and, you know, Someone mentioned how, and I love what it stands for, honest, open, willing, right? And um, so the first two years of my program, I was just learning about that. You know, I got a sponsor. I started working the steps. Um, I was defining my absence as no recreational sugar, um, I kind of absorbed the idea of abstinence as a status. I was just looking around. That's what I, I'm, 
you know, I'm an addict, so what's really going on and what I perceive or what people are saying to me and what I'm actually hearing aren't always the same thing. I don't know if anyone can relate to that. But um, abstinence was a status to me. I don't even know if I was aware of that. But I didn't want to let anyone down by losing my abstinence. And I was ashamed, deeply ashamed of something I was doing in abstinence, which was binging a lot. Um, sometimes more and sometimes less, depending on what's going on. But it's in a pretty uncomfortable living situation. And I, I talk about food. So I would go to, just like people talk about before, there were different stores in my neighborhood because, you know, look wanted to just look like I was just buying the box of cereal for the week. But, you know, got up to two boxes in a night and, you know, quarts of milk. And I don't really do dairy that well, but I wasn't stopping and you did not want to be walking by me <laughs> when I had been doing that. Um, so I... Um, I don't know, I moved. And I thought, and you know, kind of tears in a program, I thought, okay, better situation, this is going to do it. You know, that's the solution. Yeah, solution's in here, you know. But I kept coming back, I kept coming back, I kept coming back, and I just had a gnarly binge one night, and I talked to a friend in program about it, and she said, get to... Uh, this particular meeting, it happened to be an ABC meeting. I thought, why am I going to go to an ABC meeting? You know, uh, for those who don't know, an- uh, focus on anorexia, bulimia, and compulsive overexercise. <laughs> um, it turned out to be just what I needed, and the speaker was saying just what I needed to hear, and I got to just come clean, come clean to a group of people who just sat there and loved me. Just sat there and loved me. You know, and I was a puddle of surrender, and that's what it took for me. And so today, my abstinence is um, that that don't binge, don't weigh yourself. Um, you know, that evolved. What did it start as? Started as don't eat after dinner, and um, that was really hard. Ten more minutes, yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> okay, so my abstinence, <clears throat> my, my uh, sponsor's answer to all this was, because I wasn't being honest with her about this, and, and I came clean, was um, uh, let's keep working steps. Let's keep working the steps. And, um, and she strongly suggested I not eat after dinner. Call, call, call. And um, for me, what I needed to do... Because my focus was the food plan. Because, you know, the solution to all my problems was food, right? Once I got into the room, the solution to my problems was controlling the food. I thought I was supposed to control the food. And um, I also didn't mention that the other end of my disease is controlling what my body looks like. So discomfort, eat, uh, feeling out of control, want to control something, control the number on the scale. So I was weighing myself like 25, 30 times a day. It was a little out of control. And hard to get other things done. So um, it was pretty clear, don't weigh yourself. Um, the, the not eating after dinner, the way I got to that was to let go of the structured plan of eating for me. That's what I need to do for a while. For a while, um, so you know, I've been in, I've been doing this since '07. So, 
today I do have a daily phone game plan of eating. It's a very useful tool for me because if it isn't an option, it isn't a problem, right? I, my head has other things to do. Believe me. <laughs> Hopefully it's working the steps and the programs and applying the principles at all my affairs. So that's why I have a sponsor and sponsees. And I'll tell you what, sponsees as much as a sponsor keep me on that path, right? Um, so so what happened was, you know, I surrendered and I continued to do so and um, and I worked the steps. I'm in the middle of a fantastic step nine. I wouldn't have told you that last Friday, but it's great. And um, my higher power, oh, I want to, I'm very disjointed, but I want to read a little something that I find very helpful where it comes to, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the concept of uh, contempt prior to investigation, but I still do that. I catch myself doing that. And um, I had trouble with the language in this book for a long time. Um, And it took me until last year to really get into this book. And this book being Alcoholics Anonymous, big blue book. So, um, I just want to read from page 47. When, therefore, we speak to you of God, we mean your own conception of God. This applies to, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against spiritual terms deter you from honestly, honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. At the start, this was all we needed to commence spiritual growth, to affect our first conscious relation with God as we, underst- as we understood him. Afterward, we found ourselves accepting many things that seemed entirely out of reach. That was growth. But if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. Um, And the other thing I want to read is um, just... uh, A spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things. We began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction. Provided we took other simple steps. i got to work the steps, people, every day. Um, We found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him, her, it. To us, the realm of spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding. To those who earnestly seek, it is open, we believe, to all men, women, still have some issues. But what I want to say is that um, I know today my job very clearly is just to seek. That's it. My job is to seek and to get out of the way, to get out of the way of my higher power. Um, You know, sometimes either by my own doing or just because circumstances happen, um, life piles up all of a sudden, you know? I mean, um, last year, a lot of you know, um, 
well, last year and over the course of the previous year, I was walking with my dad through the last part of his life and um, doing a lot of traveling and um, spending time with him and the woman who's now my stepmother who, you know, 20 some odd years of a very contentious relationship there. And what I want to say about steps one through seven at that, you know, at that time, that's how far I worked the program, is that um, they they just really helped me get out of my own way and to listen to the people in my life with my heart and with love and to listen to to talk to their heart to not try to talk to anybody's head or make anybody understand anything you know to pray for the spirit of forgiveness and to just I mean for me higher power is just what would love do you know what would love do in this moment and um you know, just showing up, and um, and that man, you know, he had a really hard life, and he did the best he could, and my higher power, you know, today and then, could hold me and say, baby, you know, that's okay, it wasn't enough for you, it wasn't everything you needed, you know, it wasn't everything you needed, but I'm here, and he's here, and he's not going to be here much longer, you know, and he he had a lot of healing in the last couple of months of his life, you know? And to me, a miracle of this program and my higher power is that man being able to barely lift his hand and reach up and touch my face and tell me that he loved me. That's, that's a miracle of the program for me that I, could, that I could have made it that far to be sitting. None of my other siblings... You know, we're sitting there with him that way, and they've got their own path. You know, um, that's—I didn't overeat during that experience. That's amazing, and I assure you that there were times. You know, when I found out he was diagnosed terminal, terminally ill, that if I could just get my body the right size, the right number, to look the right way, everything was going to be okay. I don't know what that is. Anyway, um, today, you know, what it's like is working my ninth step um, with a really loving sponsor as well as loving higher power and a bunch of fellows, is I'm finally getting around to um, dissolving a domestic partnership that I haven't seen the person in five years for for good reason. Um, and um, and you know someone decided to move out of my house kind of at the same time and just looking for you know having a little financial insecurity crisis and just um, a couple other big big things just knowing I'm going to be taken care of what you know it's so good to hear page 86 just what's What's my next right action? I don't have to worry about, oh, yeah, the IRS. That was the other amends. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So a little bit of back taxes going on there. So I don't have to worry about where the money's coming from. And I don't today, right now, in this moment in this room. And, and, And often, I don't worry where the money's coming from. And there was a time where I didn't worry where the money's coming from because my head was buried 
in the food or some other form of denial. But today, I'm not worried about it because I'm just doing the next right thing. You know, I'm honest and open with IRS. I'm honest and open with the state of California. Um, I can pray for the spirit of forgiveness where my ex is concerned. I don't have to... I don't have to do anything that's going to hurt me. I don't, you know, it's all going to be okay, you know. Um, And what else exciting can I tell you? Oh, yeah, so about, I don't know, six months ago, um, in the writing meeting uh, Saturday morning, and um, I had, the night before, I'd been lying in bed trying to read, and so my abstinence at that point was defined as no binging and no weighing myself. And I did have a called in plan of eating, but if I ate other foods off of that, as long as I was honest with my sponsor, it wasn't breaking my abstinence, although he would consider what I was eating noteworthy data or a food indiscretion, depending on what it was. And we would talk about it, you know, because it's not about the food. A food is a, is, is a what, a barometer, just saying what's, what's, what's going on. But I noticed that I kept, like, oh, I think I'll have a piece of string cheese. Or, oh, I think I'll have, you know, whatever. Just something healthy in my refrigerator. I was having no serenity. I couldn't read in my bed. And I just realized, you know, I want serenity, and I'm uncomfortable. And I decided with my sponsor that, again, my, my um, abstinence is I don't eat after dinner. I, that last, I've had my dinner tonight. I get to have breakfast tomorrow. The meals keep coming. I forget that at the end of dinner. The meals just keep coming. But I, um, I have to tell you that I prayed a lot. I used the phone a lot. I was jonesing jonesing after dinner for a while I put the substance down and the feelings came up you know more so that onion layers more honesty more more feelings more fragile you know more broken open and I thought you know when I lost my dad um, that was that was broken open you know nope more there's going to be more you know so um, the other thing I want to plug is meetings which utilize the tools which I might not otherwise utilize like the Saturday morning writing meeting um, the big book study rocks my world this is great the positive pitch is rocking I'm liking it Um, so and the Ariana Cafe on Wednesday nights what I love about it is um, it's the Tenderloin. It is a 12-step oriented cafe. They have every a. They have all sorts of 12-step NA. It is gritty, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm an addict, and I don't ever want to forget that. I don't have a problem with food. I'm an addict in recovery, and I'm super grateful for that. You know, but regardless of the substance you know some people look worse than others you know it, I, I have an addiction and I need to treat it every day I can't stay clean on yesterday's shower and um, 
I'm so grateful for the miracle of this formula. It's just amazing. And the fellowship that's worldwide. I can go, I mean, higher power, trouble believing in higher power. I can go anywhere in the world and be at home with a meeting. You know? Might have to root around a little bit, but at least I can go to an AA meeting, you know? It's amazing to me. Um, that's really all. I, I mean, that's what I got today. Get out of the way. Yeah.